0: a week we meet before breakfast for an early morning run we spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms this has become our favorite professional development so we figured why not share these moments with you welcome to math before breakfast episode 27 and we are excited to be here it's not actually math before breakfast it's math after lunch after a run after yard sailing right, right? it's a saturday It's a saturday <laughs> <laughs> we just had a crazy week where we kept telling we kept like not running because we were sick or not right? not sleeping or whatever so but
1: shout out to the lady who said oh i wish i had your job because you don't work on the weekends Ah right. <laughs> Here I am, a teacher doing something on. How does weekends. she look with a
2: black eye?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that to you? Man. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, so we are excited to finally be chatting. Glad to see you, Ruth. Missed y'all <laughs> week. Um, and this is episode t- uh, 27. Did I say that? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's a- it's um, still episode 27. It's still, yep. Still a multiple of three, <laughs> Ruth said. Still right? It's, it's a cubed number. Yep. It's okay. not prime. Yep. Okay, good. So um, we're going to talk about a, a, a listener question. We're going to celebrate some- successes from this past week, and then we're just going to dive into Ruth's needs for next week because that's where we are. So um, let's start with our listener question. This is from Monica, and she sent us a message on our website through the little comment feature thing, and she says she's at the point of where she's looking towards next year. (laughs) We teach equivalent fractions, decimals, and percents first. I'm curious about ideas like three-act tasks or real-life problems, etc., to introduce the idea to her 6th graders most of my students come in below grade level often around the 4th grade level i want to start the year off right and give everyone the feeling of being successful from the beginning. My students come to my class already believing that they will be unsuccessful. I'm planning on doing Week of Inspirational Math, and I'm focusing on some prerequisite problem-solving skills my first week, but I want my second week of instructional materials to be really solid. I'd love any advice or insights you might have. So that was a great question. I can really appreciate someone who's already thinking about the first week of next, (laughs) next school year. That's awesome. For sure. And I think and starting with the Week of Inspirational Math with which is a resource from YouCubed and Joe Bowler. It's a fantastic idea. Um, there's enough there to take you into the second week of of school. You know, f- uh, mine kind of, you know, took that long at least. Um, but that's a great way to start. And it's also a great thing to do when you have a sub. Ooh, and it's
1: just in the middle of the year. Yeah. And writing sub plans or having the sub have to teach something. Yeah. It's just it's just good to have watched them ahead of time and say, watch this
0: and do this activity. And it just fits in any unit anywhere. Yeah. There's a there's there's a lot more than you can get done in one week. A lot sure. to pull back, uh, go back to. So I think our answer, Monica, is that we that's um, we understand your like desire to, want to start off with a bang and make sure that they are are feeling successful and to make it. Not just like a random put your finger down on the map and let's start here. Like it, it rooting it in within some context is really important. So we don't have a right now answer. I think is our answer, and we'll we're putting that out there to our listeners. Has anybody else done anything cool that? Um, Gets at the fraction decimal and percent equivalency kind of thing. And if so, share that. But we we will commit to thinking about it and looking for some ideas. You have anything else you want to add to that? Well,
1: I just the first thing that came to mind was one of the episodes where we talked about having the student have your base 10 flat Mm -hmm. and then using rods. If you want to do it manipulatives, using rods to cover half of it Mm -hmm. and then talking about that as 50 hundredths and how you can write that as a fraction as or as a decimal. Um, we've also done it where they've colored or right. shaded the base 10 flats. So, yes, that's a really good activity. But, again, like you said, if we can come up with some context or we can yeah. come up with something that makes it solid.
0: Yeah, so we'll be looking for ideas, and we'll share that hopefully soon. Um, the sex. So the second thing is that we took my kids took their end of year test, the SOL test. And like I've mentioned before, fourth graders taking the fifth grade test and, um, gosh, you know, this was a weird year because I was trying to change a lot of things like we've talked about a lot, trying to teach conceptually, trying to not just hand them procedures. And so you get. I got towards the last like nine weeks and was like, "Oh no, have I made a big huge mistake by not doing a lot of spiral review all the time?" And you know, like just really doing a lot of conceptual and conversation and tasks. And I just started to get nervous. Um, and so I, you know, I did do. I'm going to admit I did some test prep, but I didn't do a ton. You know, it was kind of maybe the last two weeks uh, or less. And they rocked it. They all passed, um, which what felt so good. Um, So I'm I'm just celebrating and reminding myself that the the contextual methods work. You know, Um, they're not perfect. They're not. um, This was the first time that my students have taken the grade level above where they are and and i you know i have to be fair and, and mention that these are all students that have been identified gifted it doesn't mean that they all are um gifted in math that, that i have plenty that struggle um but at least we've it, talked about a couple that yeah. are in this gifted program
1: because they're gifted in reading yeah and so yeah. you've pulled them along or
2: is there going to be some because these students will have never passed the fourth grade SOL. hmm Is that just kind of, do they get a wave on that? I
0: think so. I think I think that's what happens there. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, they're going to take the sixth grade test, and then they'll just continue from there. So I'll, I'll set my thoughts about that aside. You know, I'm, uh, yeah, I won't comment on that right now. But um, I do think that, I, I don't know, just clarify, mm um, I don't know if clarification is the right word, but what's the word? Uh, that I'm looking for. It, I'm I'm glad that it
1: justification.
0: I don't know. Ju- yeah, like justification that a that new what? teaching method, you know, it, oh, was worth sure. it, and the okay. and the hard work was worth it. I don't know. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. So, so tell us where you are with changing your curriculum. Okay. So we that. are
1: in the process of. Moving students from sixth grade math into pre-algebra, um, typically students we would have of my, uh, just to keep the numbers straight of my hundred students, 25% of them, 30% of them would have moved into pre-algebra in reality, skipping seventh or skipping seventh grade math, which Mm -hmm. is another foundational course as far as the curriculums taught, um, But we are seeing that as they get to high school, juniors and seniors, some of them haven't finished the required math. So Mm -hmm. they haven't finished the algebra two and the geometry. And it was brought to our attention just by a couple kids recently who have tried to get into higher level schools to be engineers. And they haven't gotten to take enough math Mm -hmm. in high school because they didn't meet the qualifications when they were a sixth grader. Yeah. And when you think about how sixth graders don't typically have it all together, (laughs) like they're still trying to find their binders and whatever. So we are, we've decided, which I think there's truth in it, that a student who gets a C in math seven probably would also get a C in pre-algebra because the expectations would be higher of the student and. Data shows that students meet your expectations. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have in the past, like we took a class where students were struggling in math. And so we took algebra and we broke it into two years. And you would take algebra 1A and then you would take algebra 1B. Well, students who could have taken the whole algebra class, parents decided we're going to put them in 1A And they weren't they didn't experience success. Mm -hmm. It was like the expectation was lowered. And so they didn't meet the expectation. So we're taking it on the other side and we're just going to raise the expectation for everybody and everybody will have access to that. Um, We are going to provide support for the students who may not be ready for that jump. But they've come to me as the sixth grade teacher and said, here's a list of stuff, objectives that were taught in seventh grade, and we'd really like for you to use the end of the year to at least introduce them to this mm-hmm. specific set of skills so that they have some kind of access to it when they get there. Right. Um, Mastery is definitely not ex- expected, but yeah. there are some students who have a little bit of knowledge of some of the things that are on the list, and this will just be lessons to solidify it. And so they have gone to my colleagues who teach history and english and math but all of us have that certification mm-hmm. and they're going to all teach with me so the kids will spend the last week of school doing these math activities well that's great from a math teacher perspective but they have to be fun and they have to be yeah. engaging because i don't even know that i'd want to do math for a whole entire school day so some of the, the topics last
2: week of school right yeah. so
1: some of the topics I'm ready to go with because um, I didn't get to them this okay. year and I have taught them. And then some of the other ones, I'm a little bit fearful of stepping out there and mm-hmm. trying to teach something that I, ha- I don't understand completely. So um, our list of topics is circumference and diameter mm-hmm. and radius, pretty much discovering pi and okay. using it to find the circumference, um, finding the area of a triangle. Okay. Okay the angles of a triangle adding up to 180 degrees and um, multiplying and dividing integers. Okay. And we should start there because that's the one that I'm the most fearful of. Yeah. And mainly because I've adopted this, I'm going to teach everything conceptually and I'm not going to stand in front of the class and say, today I'm going to teach you how to multiply integers. So this is what you have to remember, and this is a cute way to remember it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to it than that. So I'm looking for how do we do that? What's a real life context for multiplying and dividing a negative number to get a positive number?
0: Yeah. Whew. You got one, Jay? Ooh, <laughs> ooh. So so we should probably back up and say that. You know, how are you going to get – Like, obviously, you don't jump into a negative times a negative. You're going to start with a positive times a negative. Right. right? And so that is kind of easily modeled with – if you have, like, let's say two times negative three, that's two jumps of negative three. Or would you say two jumps backwards? So
1: for me, I would say two jumps of negative three, but I probably wouldn't even start with jumps. I would start with groups. Okay. And we would model that with – The red and yellow tiles. Okay. Um, The experience that they have with negative numbers with me happened at the very beginning of the year in sixth grade when I introduced, first of all, the very first time they'd seen an integer, which is changing. They'll have been introduced to that before they come to me now. But wait, that's going to be in fifth grade mm -hmm. math. The introduction of integers are going to be in fifth grade math. So the student will have to um, order them. Mm hmm. On a number line, Mm -hmm. not necessarily rational numbers, but just integers. Mm -hmm. And so and add them. So when they come to me, I'll teach them to subtract um, and then obviously multiply and divide. So when I taught this year, the subtraction. Even if so, we went to the football field and I had mapped out this giant number line Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with a zero there in the center. And I would give them problems, which would take them to the, each yard line. Mm-hmm. So if we said negative five, then I would start at negative five, still facing the teacher. And if I said minus, then I would turn to the left. And then if I said negative five, because I said negative, that meant turn and face the other way and run five yards. And they really got what they were supposed to do by mm-hmm. a negative meaning turn around and run the other way. Okay. Um, so now we're multiplying and dividing. And like you said, I'm completely fine teaching them positive times a negative mm-hmm. because you have groups. Right. So we've had <laughs> some conversations
0: about what negative groups look like or how you teach that. Wait. So uh, just to be clear, if, it's easy to say a positive times a negative is is some groups of something, mm-hmm. right? But are you saying that when you flip it to be negative three times two, are you just going to say refer to the commutative property, flip it back to, you know, or is there some other way to talk about a negative times a positive?
2: How do you have how do you have negative numbers of groups?
0: Yeah, um, but maybe we we would go to jumps then. Or is it take away two, three times?
1: Maybe that's what... Do three debts of two. Jumping backwards. Right. Take away three, two times...
0: We're all looking at each other, puzzled. Yeah, because <laughs> I've seen it both ways. You know, I've seen, I've seen it written like just refer to the community property, and and that's almost. Mm, I'm thinking about how this kind of makes it feel feels like a, uh, a fraction times a whole number because it's really easy to go, a whole number times a fraction, like three groups of one half is really easy to do, but it's harder when you do one half of three. Um, but you can still model it, you know? Okay. Maybe I asked a question we are not, don't know the answer to and we can just keep moving on. (laughs) So So
1: I think these are, there's so much merit in conversations like this because now I'm thinking about something that maybe it came up in my, would come up in my class. Maybe it wouldn't, but I would I would want to have an understanding of it, even if I didn't have to teach it in such a way that they understood. Mm -hmm. Because if you, as my student, can just say, well, the commutative property says I can switch it, you're absolutely right. And I taught multiplying whole whole numbers by fractions. Both of us did this year. Mm -hmm. And I taught it and you modeled it concretely and representationally and abstractly. And now I don't really care if you want to say three groups of three fifths. Mm -hmm. When you see that instead of three fifths of three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the best, well, you're looking at the Vanderwall book. Did it have, a? did it talk about a difference between negative times positive and positive times negative? Um, maybe I skipped
1: over that because. You thought you had it. Yeah, because I thought I knew that. And we were on a time crunch because we told Jay we were going to come and do <laughs> podcasting. Down <That> scares and <laughs> <the> record like <laughs> 20 words. minutes
0: ago. Okay, let's keep moving. Maybe we will add a show note where we... It doesn't seem to add it. No, there's not a difference. When I either. was reading this good day math, good day math link uh, before we came downstairs. We were like furiously trying to Google things. And, <laughs> and it said, it kind of said that, that it it's the model sort of start to break down when you do a negative times a positive, And then it really breaks down when you try to do a negative times a ne- negative. And their whole point, I think, was kind of like you would need to, instead of trying to necessarily model it, maybe go to... Just what do we understand about multiplication in general? And just kind of more proof-based almost. Right. Algebraic.
1: Yeah, algebraic proof. Yeah. Which one of them did say this may not be appropriate for your Math 7 students, but it's appropriate for you to understand so that you can explain it. And, I mean, you and I both know that you would have that student who might ask in the middle of class, can you explain why this works? Mm -hmm. And maybe you say... Come see me afterwards. Yeah, you know, so I can explain this to you and not lose
2: nope, everyone else. No idea. Yeah, <laughs> moving on, right?
0: Like the Tracy Zager book, where, yeah, right? In her thing. Okay, talk about this one because this is the most. In, we're looking at the Vanderwall book, and it's the the most concrete thing that I've understood so far. Right. So,
1: and we will definitely include a picture of this multiplication by a positive. Uh, multiplication by a negative first factor is repeated subtraction. So in, when you're multiplying positive three times negative four, it says positive three sets of negative four makes negative four plus negative four plus negative four. Okay. So three times negative four. Right. Okay. So we have that, but then it says negative two sets of negative three means two sets of negative three less than zero. Or to remove two sets of negative three from zero. That I just got right there. That makes sense to me. So zero can look like a student with a blank desk, no chips. But zero can also look like
0: six zero pairs, six red and six yellow. We're talking about like the yellow and red counters that are have two sides mm-hmm. And, and in, in integer multi- addition and subtraction, they're often used to to model what's happening there. And
1: they're often modeled to make zero pairs. So the students know that one red and one yellow make a
0: zero. Mm-hmm. So and if so I, I have... Mathematically, that's like positive one and negative one together make a zero. they They're What's that called? The inverse? Additive inverse? Would that be the right mm-hmm. name for those? Yes. Okay. You're right. Yes. Okay. So just in case, there could very well be people that have never heard this, like seen a way to model it. Jay, Jay Profit over (laughs) here with his hand up, for example. So are you following us that like if you put a yellow and a red down and you've said one of them is negative one and one of them is positive one together, you still have zero in front of you if you've put one yellow yellow and one red. Okay. so if you can imagine your
1: student's desk with six red and six yellow still representing zero. And now you want to take out two sets of negative three, so you want to take away those six red, and you're left with six yellow, which is your answer. That's the best one I've seen or heard so far.
0: Yes. I really like
1: it, and we did that with subtraction. With that's how I taught um a negative minus. A negative. And so they've seen that. Let's make a zero. We went really slow with it. But I feel like this is a really good way to model a negative times a negative. And then if we take it from there and lead into that multiplication chart that I found on Resourceaholic. Okay, yeah, you showed it to me. Where the students would fill in a pattern and then they would be able to see
0: the pattern that shows multiplication it's like instead of going the what she's describing instead of going from like zero to four it goes negative four to positive four on the top and then negative four to positive four on the side and then you fill in all of the products in between like you would a multiplication chart and and you start to see where there are positive products and where there are negative products so, are you? Are we going to attempt to think about division? Because I haven't thought about that at all. So, I think for the
1: sake of this activity this week. Yeah. This is enough. Yeah. We yeah. have it. Okay. And I can think about how I'm going to do division.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's a good year. thing because I don't know that I could stay conscious if you start talking about division. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. <laughs> wow. Numbers.
0: What a vote of confidence in no, us. It's
2: just, no, it's not that you can't. It's like I, I just lose... When I lose comprehension, sometimes yeah. I, it's like... Oh, right? Yeah. I well, and see, like, that's what like you nothing. have to do as
1: a teacher. Like, yeah. I have to be able to have them engaged in it.
0: So, yeah.
1: Okay. All right, something a little more engaging... Yes. ...is discovering pie. woo yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I am planning to pull out all the circles I've collected for many, many years. Okay. And... Like, tops to things and stuff? Correct. Okay. And just measure the circumference of them. Yeah. And measure the diameter of them. Okay. And create a table Mm -hmm. and give them calculators Mm -hmm. and let them come up with some kind of a pattern. Okay. So what happens when you add them all? What happens when you subtract them, multiply Mm -hmm. them, divide them? Is there anything that shows up? Okay. And hopefully someone will say, well, when you divide them, it's three something. Yeah. Um, do you have kids that know it already? I guess we'll find out.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, he, that's pie. I mean,
0: I'm sure that they've heard of pi based on my students. I'm sure they've heard of pi and many of them can probably tell you it's three point one four something something something. Um, so, but they don't. My kids don't know that what it means. And you know, in the in that context,
1: even when you do the discovery, the probability that you're going to get a circumference and a diameter that's exactly three point one four is right. slim. Yeah. So just getting three approximate.
0: Yeah. Is okay. Are you cool. going to have them measure in centimeters? So I think so, it's more precise.
1: Yeah. And then you don't have to ask me how to turn four and seven eighths.
0: Yeah. Or sixteenths if you got yeah. yeah. <coughs> okay, good. So probably in what had they used a centimeter ruler in your room? Yes, when we did head circumference and like collecting data okay. at the beginning so of the year. So they know <laughs> they, they, they know more than my students did when you hand them a ruler and say, measure in centimeters, they're not going to oh. go, but this says millimeters. <laughs> or you think they might. I don't know. That's yeah. a really good question. If you measure
2: millimeters, it's even more precise. Yeah.
0: Right. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I mean, this is a lesson you're not teaching, right? Correct. So I think I'm just, yeah, I'm correct. just asking you questions to help you think of what you need to tell the other teacher. You know, like right. they might need to model what do I write when I'm when I get to this point in my centimeter, you know, where are the centimeters if if my fourth graders are any indication.
1: So maybe as we go through these, you could say this is probably the one you should teach. What, what do you mean? Like which of these lessons that we're talking about should happen in my room? Oh, gotcha. OK.
0: Yeah. OK. I mean, I think that's a pretty simple thing I just like the teacher you hand it to might not even if they're not in it they might not be like oh this kid doesn't know how to use a ruler you know they, right. like anyway yeah so after that
1: um, we have the second day and I think that's the lesson we're going to extend because it's the end of the school year and chocolate pie is delicious so
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're going to eat chocolate pie and that's going to Remind us that C
0: equals pie D. Cool. Love it. Who's going to make the chocolate pies?
1: Um, You just send out Fresh an email market. and
0: you ask parents to bring them. <laughs> and they just
1: show up. They just show Ta-da! up. The first year, I didn't put any lemon on it. And I am not even kidding that almost every kid brought an entire pie. OMG. And we had apple pie, our square, uh-huh. chocolate pie, delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And we had so much apple and chocolate pie.
2: <laughs> wow. I'm still waiting to hear the problem here.
1: A, a yeah. is pie R squared. No, like the no, problem what's with the the problem a lot of, a ton oh. of pie? Uh. <laughs> Well, when you're feeding it to kids in a 30 minute lunch and you have to cut 120 pies. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, live and learn. That's what that was. So they're going to discover pie and then we're going to find the circumference of circles. Cool. So. Next up is discovering area of a triangle, okay And I've done this I've thought about this a couple different ways, okay. Um, first of all was a geo board where they would create a square and find the area of it. And I'm a little bit curious how you teach area on a geo board because I don't want them to count the pins. When they're finding the base and the height. Yeah. So do we use rubber bands and cut, like fill in the entire square that we made with squares so we can count the squares inside it? Do I cut out construction paper squares and you lay them inside the rubber band that's the, forms the perimeter of your square?
0: What do you think about that? I think definitely the square covering, like the piece of paper, is a stronger understanding. It's gonna it's gonna lead them towards understanding area better than just making a grid out of rubber bands. Okay,
1: so I'm going to have them create a square. Are you and when you say square, do you mean
0: square or rectangle or just
1: square? Square or rectangle. Okay. Yes. Create and then find the area of it. Okay. Using the little Construction paper squares that you will have to lay in there to count how many it needs. Okay. And then the directions will be, create a triangle with the same base and the same height. So as long as you stretch it all the way across the bottom of your rectangle or square, you can connect it anywhere at the top that you want. Okay. Okay. And calculate the area of your triangle.
0: Okay, so I know exactly where you're going mathematically. I'm thinking about your directions. Um, doesn't the the like I would some the base needs to be the entire length of the base, mm-hmm. and then your third vertex needs to be anywhere on the top part Correct. because they might if you just say your base and your height have to be the same then then they might think that you only can create a right triangle where okay. you are where you have two of the same sides exact same sides you know like i'm not sure that they're going to un- know that the height could like be in the middle of your triangle so If I were to change my
1: directions, stretch your second rubber band along the bottom. Needs to be congruent, right? Yes. And then connect it to any peg on the top rubber band that touches the top rubber band. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you would have to get out your squares that you just had inside your rectangle and figure out how to make them fit only inside your triangle.
0: hmm
1: Yeah. Um, so that's one day. And the next day is your activity that you did with the 3 by 5 cards, where they found the area of the 3 by 5 rectangle
0: mm-hmm. and then cut them in half. Mm-hmm. And put them together. See, I did the three by five before I ever did the find the area of this particular triangle. And I think there were so many like, oh, I remember when we cut the rectangle in half, it was, it was, we had two equal parts. Like.
1: So you're saying we should switch those and they should do the three by five cards that's first? That's what we did. Okay. Yeah. So maybe the same teacher would do that one activity one day and mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. the next. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the third lesson. And,
0: and did we talk, we talked about that lesson on a podcast where we, where they cut the, do you remember? I know where Say you, the t- t- where they had a um, three by five card and they had to find the area of the three by, three by five card, cut it along the diagonal.
2: Yes. We talked about yeah.
0: that. So we'll link that. You can go back. Oh, and we, we put that, remember they re, they put them into all the different kinds of shapes yes. that you could make out of the out of the two triangles. And
1: I did that after school one day with a pre algebra student. Yeah. Who just was, you know, hanging out in my classroom saying, Hey Missy, what's up? And he's like, Hey, I have a question, because we're doing area of a triangle. And I don't remember if you multiply it by the base or if you multiply it by two or divide it by one half. Or times it by one half. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, well, let's yeah. check that Good. out. Good. And an hour later, he's <laughs> like, I don't think I'll ever ask you <laughs> uh-huh. That's awesome. Um, so I practiced that lesson on yeah. Tony who came to see me. Okay. Cool. Okay. So then the, the fourth lesson is area, or not area, the angles of a triangle. Yeah. And I know that you did this. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going to have some students who already know it. Okay. So I'm kind of prepared to send them in the hallway like you did.
0: Yeah. Um, I've, this is the one I've been thinking about since you told me what we were going to okay, do. Okay. I um, would like for you to talk about this ah, one. Okay. <laughs> My first thing is, do they know how to use a protractor? I'm going to probably say no. Yeah. So you, I, I don't think. I learned think, in sixth grade. Okay. I don't think this lesson is meaningful. It's not going to mean anything if they don't know how to use a protractor first. Don't you think? Because if they don't know how to use a protractor, they probably don't have very much understanding of what angle even means. Hmm.
1: Like, so this is what I was going to do. Okay, tell me. I think you're right. But if I have a triangle and I color each of the angles with my pencil and shade them, and then I cut those angles off of the triangle... And I put those angles together yeah. so they are touching. They're going to line up on the edge of my table. Yeah. Yeah, it's a
0: great visual. Yeah. Um, I used that to kind of convince them of what they thought that – what we thought we had maybe figured out of before that. You know? That was kind of like our proof that, oh, wait, they, these three angles really do make 180 together. So I just did um, – Here's this triangle on the board and I had two of the angles labeled and I said H- what how could we figure out what this third angle is without using a protractor and you know I got some crazy ideas or whatever but I said we're going to we're going to discover we're going to do some investigating and discover something that's going to help us go back and answer that question and so then they were just told to draw a whole bunch of triangles different kinds of you know acute obtuse right scalene equilateral isosceles triangles do they do you know if they know those words? They do not know those words. Okay. So they were going to draw a bunch of triangles and then they were to measure each of the angles and then just does anybody figure out anything? Did you figure out anything here? Well, they didn't because they can't use a protractor but so accurately at this point. And also the triangles that they drew were not so accurate. So perhaps I'd say to you give them a page of triangles to do the measuring that so that, you know, they've got all the kinds and they've drawn them big and they've, and that they are, um, straight lines, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but then what I did was put, I had every kid tell me one triangle, like pick one triangle that you like and tell me the angles of that triangle. And I put it in a spreadsheet and then, So we could see everybody's data. So this is your angle one, angle two, angle three going down the columns. And then from there, we just were like, what do we notice? What do we wonder? And eventually it took us a lot of different like twists and turns, but eventually we got to, oh, they're all, (coughs) when we, we actually got to it by the mean of them, the mean of the three numbers they got there first was 60 that got us to the sum was 180 it, because if you had to add three numbers, it, yeah. So you were doing 180 divided by three. Um, and we got there and they were kind of like, oh, I'm not so sure I believe you. And then we did the cutting the or tearing off the three um, angles, putting them together. I got a question. Okay.
2: You said they – so I could visualize your spreadsheet or whatever you made of the a yeah. chart of the angles. And you said the mean <laughs> of each – column
1: <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. the mean of each column was 60 no the mean of each row
0: so one kid's three angle oh, okay. measurements are going okay. across okay
2: okay i was i was thinking the other I was like
0: how in the world did that work out so you might have like 90 20 and 70 going across and the mean of those three is going to be gotcha. 60 gotcha. because okay. of the so sum- the mean
2: of each each kid i was looking at the chart the other way and trying yeah. to figure out how in the world that worked out just right <laughs> Yeah. so that the mean of each column but, was 60. But
0: actually it was the mean of each column was 60. It did turn out to be that way too. But we it doesn't did it, have to be. Right. It doesn't have to be. Okay. Yeah. It just kind of worked out. I was
2: trying to figure out how mathematically that, yeah. that, was, that worked out the right way. So
0: I'm saying to you, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. So it's, but jumping I, into it randomly. What mm. if they
1: had a worksheet where... They had the triangles drawn. Yeah. And there was just one missing angle that they had to measure. And the teacher is going to use the camera and measure them together.
0: Okay. Because then they would, <coughs> they'd be able to be more accurate because they're just measuring one instead of all three.
1: And then they could still do the spreadsheet.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that would work. I think you got to make sure they know how to use a protractor. And I do have a video that I made about how to use a protractor. That's kind of like starting from the beginning. Um, it's a very good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, I think that's good. All right. So draw some triangles. Make sure you have all the kinds. So which and then, one should I teach? Don't you think integers? <laughs> yes. Yes. Because, I mean, besides, Courtney's not in your team, so... Yeah, she is. Oh, okay. So you do have one teacher that has taught seventh grade math before.
1: And I already told her. I was giving her integers, and she was like, okay, I can do it.
0: Yeah. But thinking of you, like... It will help you if you, right, you know, sure. it'll, it'll help you. Maybe you'll make some connections and discoveries, that whole pedagogical content knowledge friend by teaching it, you know, you would gain Check. some. Heck, yeah. just
2: saying the word makes it sound pretty darn smart. I know, smart.
0: right? Okay. I think you should do editors. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you should come back and report on so what you figured out. So
1: should do trying or er, the measuring with the protractor? Um...
2: I think that okay. proves more problematic than measuring centimeters.
1: Right. And then what was the third? What was the fourth circumference one? Circumference, diameter, and area of a triangle.
0: Yeah. Definitely not circumference and diameter. That's probably the easiest of all of those. I already know who's doing that. Okay, good. <laughs> and then the area of a triangle, I don't know. I could see either one of those being the one you'd want to get to the next most experienced math person. Okay. Yeah. It sounds pretty good. You gotta have all this ready for Monday? For Tuesday. Okay. Is Monday an exam day or something? Yeah, we're reviewing again. Okay. <laughs> what did you do to review? We were we were like texting oh, back and forth about it. We
1: were um Most both of us went to Twitter, Met Boss, you exam reviewed you and me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we we tweet, we we searched <laughs> the same tweets. <laughs> She's like, I've got this great idea. You should make this grid. And I was literally in my classroom with my very last piece of grid, chart paper, uh-huh. tracing the arrows. <laughs> and I gave it to my academic coach who spent all day for a week, all day with me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was such a blessing to have. Oh, good. And the main reason was because he was so excited to be there. Yeah. So day one review, I'm feeling like I'm talking now. Yeah. Like I should have stayed at home, but I'm a teacher and I couldn't. Yeah. And so we played Clue, Mm -hmm. which is this game I have that the kids figure out who did it. And they love it. Yeah. But playing it six times a day, (laughs) by the time the end of the day comes, I'm just over it. Yeah. And he was so animated. Mm. And now it's time for number 27. So this is
2: not like Clue, Clue.
1: So it is, but it's on the board. And you have to answer a math question correctly for your team to be able to go up and look at... One person or one weapon or one room. And then you have to do process of elimination.
0: Yeah.
2: I thought you were trying to explain to us what the game Clue was. was No. "Uh, Ruth. (laughs) I've I've played that one a couple times. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it's, it's one of those like... You know, from 10 years ago, fancy PowerPoint games that somebody spent like uh, way too many so it was hours. So like a lot of
2: cool sound effects yeah, and things zooming yeah. out and And zooming this is me
0: turning the fading. sound effects
1: off. Yeah, right. Skipping the beginning of it me and too. the end of it. Me Just too. get to the question. But he was so animated with the kids. And I was in the classroom to do the math, you know, like, oh, my students thought that the mode of a set of data which the answer was two and three because it was a bimodal set. Mm-hmm. They said it was 2.5. Oh. And I was like, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Isn't
2: that the, the, mean the, yeah, <laughs> the
0: mean of the modes. Yeah. That's the mean of the modes.
1: He said, I got to reteach this real fast. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that was the first day. And okay. then the second day was this grid I was talking about. So I had 144 spots on it and I have math questions from when I taught first grade at Perrymont and made sight word cards. Yeah. I just turned the note cards over and turned them into math questions. Okay. And I've just collected them. I bet I have 500 note cards with just math questions. And I pulled them all out and really quickly sorted them by difficult level. Mm-hmm. And then I said, you have to come to me. And you have to get three questions of my choice. And you go back to your seat and you answer them. And if you get all three correct, you can write your name in a box. And at the end of class, I'm going to pull numbers. And if your name's in that box, you can have a Tootsie Roll. Uh-huh. To which someone was like, Mrs. E, how old are these Tootsie
0: Rolls? <laughs> how
1: old were they, Mrs.
0: I um,
1: I don't know, was my answer. <laughs> so.
2: I think they didn't break a tooth on them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cool.
1: but they just thought it was the greatest thing. Oh, that's what whoever did
0: it on Twitter said that their kids went crazy over it.
1: Yeah. And I, at the end, like I have six classes and so I'm running out of candy because I told them the last two minutes of class, I will just pull numbers and say them and I'll pull as many as I can. Oh, cool. Um, and I was running out of candy. Yeah. So I'm just cleaning out my desk, like. Here's some notepads (laughs) and I'm Carrington. There's a
2: pencil. Nobody chewed on the end of it. Yeah.
1: So we're moving Mm -hmm. like my house. We're moving. And my teenage daughter has stuff that she doesn't want anymore. And she's (laughs) like, mom, if I was in sixth grade, I would think this was the coolest thing ever. So I just threw it in the tub. Oh, man. So somebody got a Tootsie Roll and someone else got a glitter backpack. But (laughs) that's awesome. Um. So it was it was fun and now yeah. i have to think of one more thing to do yeah on monday okay so do you
0: have how, how long are we jay have we talked for like two hours i feel like we have
2: no we're at 45 minutes okay
0: great um have you played the oh what's that game we play with the hamiltons jay what's it called with the people it's a vocabulary game do you have vocabulary you need to do sure what? Can you where you Okay, I'll start explaining the game and then you can remind me what it's called. Okay.
2: Cuz we've literally played like 20 games with the Hamiltons. Okay.
0: All right. So, <laughs> you put you're going to get a bunch of so you want to put all of your vocabulary in a bucket, okay? So you might do like sum, product, difference, quotient, prime, composite what are some more? I don't know. Like what gotcha. else? Do you, okay, so put all those in a bucket, and then the first you you make two teams. The first round, you the you get like I would say thirty seconds is plenty of time. You hand the kid the bucket. They pull out the card, and they can do or say whatever they want. Besides, That's a fishbowl game. Fishbowl. That's the name of it. Have you play? Have you heard this? Okay, so you pull it out, and let's. I would be like, um, uh, it's numbers that have only two, exactly two factors, and then everybody on the team would go prime, and then they've gotten a point because their team has guessed it so then you pull out another one and you say the answer to a division problem quotient and they keep going until the 30 second timer is up okay so then those belong to that team they get those points and then the bucket goes to the other team okay and so now you're going to start describing one person on that team is going to start describing their their team guesses blah 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 if you miss it, or you like, like if the time runs out and you can't figure it out, you put it back in the bucket. And so then, like, my team might get it and I knew what the word was. And so we'll get it real quick. And we kind of rehear the ones that were hard over and over. So we keep going, passing the bucket back and forth between team to team until all of them have been. Like, have left the bucket. We've figured out all of the words. Then we put them back in the bucket. And then round two, you can say, and this is the way we play in my class. We've played it other ways. But round two, you can um, say one word and then you can do any kind of hand motions that you want to do. So you might say, for um, qu- if the word was quotient, you might say, you might hold up your hands, you might say, answer. And then you might make a division sign with your hands or something like that. And then – so you play it again with all that – with just one word and any hand motions. And then the third round is only hand motions and you can't say any words. And so you have to act out what the number is. So like Hmm. um, for Prime, we were going – like I was holding up – I play this with my after school crew. um, And I would hold up a number like with my finger and then shake my head like, no, not this one. No, not this one. Yes, this one. I'm not. I'm not actually doing the right numbers in front of you, but anyway, like so that they'd have to read the numbers. Um, it's really fun and it gets crazy and exciting. But I, I like the just the vocabulary practice. So, do you have enough words? That and would work? said,
2: game has absolutely nothing to do with a fishbowl. I can only guess that sometimes somebody played it with all the words in a fishbowl.
1: Exactly. Yes. Hmm. So, do I have enough words? I don't. How many is enough words? Um, we probably used fifteen to twenty. Yeah. Right. So I'm thinking tenths, hundreds, thousandths. Okay. That's three. Prime right? composite. Prime composite. Some quotient. I, dividend divisor quotient product factor added. Some. Is there a problem
2: with having the same word in there twice?
1: Um, I wouldn't put it in there twice. Okay. But what about problems like seven times seven tenths?
0: What do you like? You would try to get the person to say seven times seven tenths?
1: What if I tried to get them to say four and nine tenths and I had to think of a problem that equaled that? Whew. I I mean, even if it was four.
0: Because you can't say... You could say one-tenth less than five. But I don't know what you'd do to act it out. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to think about that. It might not be the right thing. I mean, what do you feel like... What are you left with that they don't know? Well,
1: what am I left with that they don't know? Or what am I left with that I can't believe? Like the fraction decimal percent chart I have been helping some students after school with the study guide and oh I know okay.
0: use um oh you don't have computers because if you could get computers you could do um Quizlet Quizlet live yeah and
1: Kahoot yeah yeah so our English department is they're writing their final exams and they're using peg writing and so all the computers all the library okay. it's all checked out all right Um, so, yeah, fractions, decimals, percent. I just, I was just like, really? Mm -hmm. You still think that one-eighth is 1.8?
0: Oh.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. The Quizlet Live was what... Not that, you know, it, it just got them to memorize some of them at some point, like using that, yeah. the flashback. But I think I might do thing. the
1: vocabulary kind of at the end of class, even if I just had a couple words.
0: Well, why couldn't you do, you might be able to do the fishbowl thing with that. Somehow, if you look at. If it says one eighth and you're like, or if it says, yeah, if it says one eighth, you would say one hundred twenty five thousandths in fraction form. Too hard. Just put a couple in there, like put in the ones they don't know, like one f- or one eighth, one third. Those are the ones my kids had part with one f- one fifth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throw, okay. Throw a couple of those
1: in there. We might try that with. So that's where we are. Is just one more day of review, yeah. and then four days of. Let's teach them math every single day. Yeah. And where do you, um, when do they take their exam? So they take their exam
0: on Tuesday morning. Okay. And then then I. Yeah.
2: Cool. And then the fun begins.
0: And then you have four days and then you're done? Yes. Woo! Wait, so you have one more week of school left? Yes. Oh, sucker. Yes. All right. we
1: (laughs) We close on our house Friday. That is the last day of school, wow. and Mike's like, I'm going to take that next week off. Like, Mike, teachers don't take off the week students aren't there. Yeah. Like, there's so much stuff to do. Yeah. And he's like, oh, sorry. It's, yeah. You know, you teachers just have a different work schedule. You can't just yeah. decide that's the week you're taking off. Yeah. So.
0: So, Ruth, I gotta, I'm got. going to put you on the spot. i got to tell you about my – are we kind of done? I had this great idea while I was running all my miles this morning um, while you were yard sailing. Um, and that we. is that we, I've been thinking about what we're going to do through the summer with the podcast. And – You know, I think sometimes we'll have some things to talk about, especially when I go back to school. I'll have lots of things to run by you and tell you all the cool things that I'm learning. Right. Um, But until then... What do you
2: mean by go back to school? um, Start taking classes again? Yeah,
0: I have a couple weeks off and then I start in late June. But, you know, until then, I'm thinking about what are we going to do? And... I have all these books that I want to read, and I know you got some books for graduation. Whoop, whoop, because I'm already done. Yeah. So wouldn't it be fun if we challenged each other? Look at how I'm framing this.
2: She's swerving all around the place to come
0: into it. Um, That we could, like, set a schedule and pick some books that we both want to read, and we could read them, and then we could use a podcast episode to, like, talk about what we learned from it. I think that was a great idea because –
1: We just got announced that they are not going to do summer professional development. Typically, as part of our contract, we have to pick three days during the summer and go and do some kind of PD with someone at school. And they've decided that it doesn't fit for every person to go to one PD. So I have to keep track of books that I've read uh-huh. or oh. conferences that I've gone to yeah. how have I professionally developed myself wow over the summer
0: huh okay well there you go check <laughs> all right so i think we should start with Coral counting. counting. I, I, I need to sit down and read that daggone book. I'm actually like, that's one of the things I want to do this week is to do counting collections. Um and just jump in. So I might read just that chapter this week. But Okay. I can't promise I will read anything this oh, week. Oh no, I'm saying but. I think I think we got another well, next week we can definitely talk about how things went with your plan? We should yes. we should reflect on your especially your integer multiplication, um, but maybe starting in two weeks we can reflect about. Well, you've got to move. Whenever we get to it, friend, <laughs> you're like, in a, uh, couple, in, few weeks. in a couple episodes, that'll be our first book that we'll talk about is Coral Counting and Counting Collections. Okay. And then we can just decide for there. I actually have a list of like 20 books I've been working on all day. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I hope these books are at the library. Yeah. I'm going to see like if I can, well, I'll see what I can do. Well, send me the list and I'll see what I can do too. Okay. But... Yeah. All right. So what takeaways do we have?
2: My brain is still hurting from trying to figure out how to. Contextualize. Contextual. No, like concretely show multiplying negatives. Yeah. Like I get, I get the whole idea of groups, positive number of groups of negative numbers.
0: Yeah.
2: That makes sense. I mean, I can, yep. I can handle that. Yeah. But negative a negative number of groups is where I lose it. Yeah. Now, I did get the little chips and the flipping them up inside. I, because we don't have them here to, to look at. Yeah. And I'm a visual person. Yeah. I, I understand the concept and I think, I mean, it made sense. Um, that may would help. But dang, this is one of those times I'd be like, uh, so. Let me just tell you how it works, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. That that was that's still that's still tough in my brain. So
0: Well hopefully Ruth's gonna fill Good you in you. next week. Yeah. All right. You got a takeaway? Um
1: I am gonna read a lot of books this summer. There we <laughs> go. Yeah.
0: Woo-hoo. Good. I mean,
2: the two best read math teachers.
0: Yeah. Um my takeaway is that contextual or con or yeah, c- conceptual. That's the word I'm looking for. Conceptual learning works, and all the hard work we've put in this year is worth it. And it yeah. and it was the right thing to do. And yes, my kids passed, and I have that to show for it. But they also know what a conjecture is. They can also listen to each other's ideas. They can also model all kinds of things that the test didn't ask for. They can also tell you crazy connections between like something they learned last week and something they learned the first week of school. Like they are walking away. I think better mathematicians than I have. They learned ever. it well. Yeah, they and did. They learned how it works. Yeah, they did. And I'm proud of them and I'm proud of us for, you know, trying something hard. It's hard yo yo all right so (laughs) (laughs) we're certainly punchy this saturday (laughs) afternoon all right well that is it and i can't wait to hear how next week goes all right and maybe i'll see you on a run i hope i'll see you on a run all right bye